Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. God, you're a good church. You're a great church, and great churches make great pastors. And you got a great pastor. And I really appreciate Pastor Blake and Carla. They're, they're a tremendous example in our fellowship. You guys are just a... A wonderful congregation. I know it takes a team to have what we have here tonight. It's not one person that does it. It's not even a couple people. It's a whole lot of people moving in the same direction that are shouldering the burden, that love each other and love the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, if you bring this kind of excitement with you to camp, these young people, you guys are going to have a crazy camp. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. Amen. And not just the camp, but if you do that in the conference and you come with this kind of excitement in the conference, it's going to be a it'll be a conference like we've never experienced before and we'll never forget it. Amen. But hopefully Jesus comes back sooner. Wouldn't that be good? We'll just have conference in heaven. We just all get together in heaven. You don't have to worry about visas and vaccines and all these other things, right? You get to be in heaven together. Praise God. Turn with me this evening in your Bibles, if you would, over to the book of Genesis, chapter 32. Genesis, chapter 32. The title of my message this evening is, Do You Have Any Scars? How many have a, a scar? How many, got, how many got more than one? Some people, you got, you got a few. You know, uh, I had a guy in our church when we pastored in Greeley, Colorado. He was stabbed 21 times when he was 16 years old for being on the wrong street corner. He was across the street from his street corner in Chicago and couldn't make it back to his block in time. And he came into our church and got saved. Just a young man, had a couple of kids, and he had been caught by another gang that cut his throat from ear to ear trying to kill him the scar that was on his neck was at least half an inch to three quarters of an inch thick from having been uh, they tried to kill him and he never he never forgot of course nobody could forget it you saw it every time you looked at him and there are people that bear in their bodies they have they have scars those scars carry with them memories if you've got a scar like Pastor Blake does on his arm, I know I haven't seen it this trip, but I've heard about it, and I've seen it before. If you've got a scar, you can remember where you got it, where you were, and what happened usually. What you were doing, what dumb thing you were doing. I, I had one time I was trying to work on something in my barn. There was nobody else out there, and I hit a piece of metal with a rubber mallet, and I didn't even think about it. That mallet jumped right back at me and hit me right between the eyes. I thought, where did that come from? What, what happened there? I'm, I'm bleeding. I got blood coming down my face. I told Emily, we got to get to the doctor. We got to get to the emergency room somewhere. I mean, it was, it was bleeding. It was pretty nasty. Head wounds can be a little bit nasty, can't they? But then when they told me how much it was going to cost to fix me up, I said, we got to go someplace else. <laughs> so I went across the street to another doctor to an emergency care. I had a bandage on my head, and he told me how much it was going to cost. I said, man, we better go back to the first place. 
And I got back over there and I said, you know, we're going to have to work on this. I'm going to, I need you to, you know, I have a split right here on my head. I said, what are you going to do? She says, well, we're going to clean it up. We're going to dry it out. Then we're going to put some super glue on it. I said, well, Walgreens is right next door. I went next door, got me some super glue, told Emily, there's a YouTube video somewhere. Find that thing. And for $3.50, I fixed that thing up right there. I remember how I got it. You know, they're not always that easy to fix, though, are they? Those scars. I want to minister on scars, but not necessarily in the way you think. Because sometimes we think of things and we think of those wounds and those, and, and those, those pain points in our lives, those, those difficult moments. Yeah, we've got those. We've got those kinds of uh, moments and experiences, and, and we carry with us the scars. But there's another kind of scar. There's a, there's a, a, a place where God meets with a person. Like happens in our story in Genesis chapter 32, a man by the name of Jacob. Jacob had some serious character flaws. He had some personal struggles, some major struggles in his life. And, you know, he made some real, he made some real bad decisions along the way. He was a, he was a trickster, a conniver. He was a, a man that uh, he... Didn't know what his future was going to hold, but in spite of all of his failures, he was destined to become great and destined to do something great with God and for God. And God had destined that he would become one of the fathers of the faith. When you hear about these men, you hear about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, a conniver. Jacob, who, was, who deceived his brother, and in this particular story, I want you to look at with, with me in Genesis chapter 32. He's, he's on his way to meet with his brother. He deceived him. He would schemed his way into a blessing and worked his way in there into a blessing. And now he's going to meet his brother and he gets word that his brother is, is on his way. He's got 400 men. He's got an army of people that are, that are coming and, and he's, he's bringing with him soldiers. And this is, this is where we pick up this story. And we get, into, we get a little glimpse into God, how God deals with us when he wants to, he wants to do something with us. There's a place where we, where we meet with God. And I think a lot of people, they don't, they don't want to meet with God. They think they know better. They're really independent. They're, they're uh, self-reliant people that's probably how most people are they think they know better they 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 figure what do i need god for until god backs them into a corner into a place where they have no other way except to look up and call on him somewhere we have to get alone with god and get into a place where we humble ourselves and we get alone with him and there's this there's such a thing as is wrestling with god you learn about it here with with jacob has anybody here ever had to wrestle with God? I'm not talking about these one and done prayers where it's just a, a, a quick, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I'm talking about where you, have, you had to pray something through. You had to wrestle with something. You had to wrestle with God. You're not, let me tell you, it, sometimes it's, it's, it's easier. In fact, a lot of the times it's easier to fight against the devil than it is to fight against God. Many people are fighting against God. They're fighting the will of God. They're fighting the plans and the purposes of God. Here, 
we get a picture of how God can use an accident, a sickness, a setback, a failure, whatever it is that you might be dealing with. Then when, we, when we wrestle with God, when we, you know, over in Kenya and Tanzania is the same and many other countries that, I mean, it, it's, it's rare in the United States that people will have an all-night prayer meeting. It's a rarity. I don't even know. I'm th- I think we ought to do one in Colorado Springs. Probably wouldn't hurt to do one here. An all-night prayer meeting where we come and we get in the presence of God and we, and we wait on God. We pray something through. We, 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 we don't just, you know, kneel down for a few minutes, but we really say, God, I need to hear from you, and I'm not going to leave this place until you speak to me, until you touch my life. And that's a very special place where God does that in our lives. Take a look at it with me in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22. This is what happens. It says in verse 22, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. And then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there, and Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. Let me tell you tonight, sometimes our greatest struggles are going to be our struggles with God. Our struggles for His will in our lives. Our struggles to change and to when God's dealing with us and He's correcting and He's He's speaking to us and He's dealing with us about some area and issue of our life. C.S. Lewis once said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but He shouts in our pains. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, it's hard for us to hear God many times when we're up on top of the mountain. When everything's going good, we've got the world by the tail, we've got money in the bank, and we've got, the, it seems as if things are just going our way. It's, it's hard to hear from God, but you get into a desperate place. You get into a, a place where you're, you're hurting and you, and you don't have an answer. There's nobody that you can call in your phone. You don't have, you don't have a phone number for that problem. That's where you learn to call on God. That's, a, that's where Pastor Jones has said, that's where you learn to find out where God lives. You want to hear from Him. You don't need a word from anybody but, but God. 
You need Him to speak into your life. And in a crisis... We're in a crisis or we're in a, in a dangerous place. Listen, that's where God, he wants, to, he wants to speak to us. And He not only wants to speak to us, He shouts to us. He wants to speak to you more than you even want to hear from Him. But you know, many times we're in such a hurry. We're, we're, we come into a service and there is no appreciation. There is no value for altars. In fact, many churches, they don't even have room for altars. They don't give time for altars. I'm not saying we're, we're better than everybody else, but I can tell you right now, something that they had right in the olden days was that this thought of praying something through. Getting a hold of God and making an altar. What is, what's so big? What's the big deal about an altar? Maybe you come into this place and you've never had any kind of church experience. All you know, maybe all you know is the Catholic church where you kneel and you stand and, and you, you, know, you make penance and you get, you know, talk to the priest or whatever. And you, you go through these rituals. Let me tell you, there is, there's value in an altar. Because an altar is a place of reference in our life. It's a place of reference. It's a place where there's an opportunity that's given. I've been, I've been to many churches where the, the preaching was great. The music was great. There was even conviction in that place, and it would have been a, a tremendous opportunity for just a, a moment to invite that person who is weighing their destiny. They, they, they're in a, in a crisis moment. It's like, it's like they're, they're at a fork in the road, but the pastor, instead of giving an opportunity, he, he just sends them on their way. It's like they, he, they prepared this beautiful meal, but they don't let them eat. Just go ahead, everybody go on out. Well, I thought we came to make a decision. We did. And we ought to, we ought to prepare a place. We ought to, we ought to take the time to, to spend in the presence of God. And I want to challenge you tonight. I don't know what you're dealing with. I, I can't read your mail, but the Holy Ghost knows exactly where you're at and what you're going through. And the altar is what is going to make the difference in your life. You don't need another sermon. I've heard a thousand sermons, and so have you. And listen, what we need to hear is from God, and we need Him to touch our homes and our marriages. We need Him to speak into our lives. Our young people need a revival. We need to learn how to talk to God and to cry out to God and ask Him, Lord, I need to hear from you. God, I need to speak to you. How many have been, how many have been to youth camp before? You've been to youth camp. Aren't those services tremendous and exciting in those services, especially when, when there, there is no dismissal? Have you ever been in a revival service? Have you ever been even in a, in a Sunday morning service? It doesn't have to be a revival it takes place in. I've been, in, I've been in services where there was no preaching. No, there, was no, there was no need to preach. People were coming to the altar in the middle of the song service. People were coming down for prayer. It wouldn't it be something if the 9 a.m. service just carried right over into the 11 a.m. service. And we, just, and we just wanted to be in the presence of God because there was such an appetite. Not because of the preaching or the music, but because there was an atmosphere for miracles. There was a presence in that place. That's what God wants to do in our lives. If you don't like that here on earth, you're not going to like heaven. Because that's what it's going to be all about. It's going to be in the very presence of God Almighty. When you get into that place, there is something that is supernatural that takes place. It's not, a, it's not a warm and fuzzy feeling because of the music or something else or an atmosphere that's created. 
It's a, it's a genuine hunger from God. And it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The question is, are we hungry? Are we desperate? How is it that this man, Jacob, he wrestled with God? He's, he, he doesn't, he, it's not just a, you know, a, a one round thing and then he taps out. No, he says, all night long he wrestled with him. All night long he wrestles. Sometimes our greatest struggles are with God. You know, what is it that, what happens with us when we fight with God? You know, sometimes we can, we can find ourselves on the wrong side. I think the reason God has to, has to fight with us sometimes is because we're so stubborn. We're so stubborn. We're so unwilling. We don't want to bend. We don't want to change. I'm, aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on you? Don't give up on God. Don't, don't quit on God. Don't say, well, I haven't seen my answer like so many people have said. Well, I, I prayed and I didn't get anything and nothing happened. So, so why should I even continue to try? Don't quit on God. God's not quitting on you. God's for you. But we can sometimes find ourselves on the wrong side of God's will or God's purposes and, and we fight against God. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 38, he even talks about fighting against God. He says in Acts 5, he says, So in this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it'll be overthrown. But if it's of God, you won't be able to overthrow them. Or else you might even be found to be fighting against God. Here they're, they're struggling in the New Testament church. And they, they say, you know what? If it's not God, you're, if you go to fighting against God, you're in trouble. It ain't going to work. You can find yourself fighting against God. And sometimes God is the intruder in our lives. He's, he gets in our business. He deals with us. He begins to interrupt our plans and the things that we've, we've made, our plans that we've made in our own lives. You know what God's doing? He, God wants to highlight the areas that need to be changed in your life. Man, the more time you spend in an altar, the more time you begin to identify those things that need to be addressed. God begin, he, 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 he searches our hearts. But we don't always want to know, God, what's, what's in there that you don't like. There's value in an altar. There's value in waiting on God. You know, the, the, the only thing harder than waiting on God is not waiting on God. When you don't wait on God. When you say, you know what, God, I don't need to hear from you. I don't need, I don't need to know what your will is or your plan is for this right here. I think I'll just go ahead and do it. I think I'll just go ahead and step out. Well, you might be asking for trouble. You might be making a decision that you would, you would regret in life. And sometimes it's easier to say no to the devil than it is to say yes to the will of God. It can be, right? Verse 24, Jacob is left alone, it says, in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. You know, he's wrestling with him at night. I can tell you that many of my own personal battles, and even Emily and I, the things that we've had to deal with, you know, the, the battle is, it increases at night. Has anybody else noticed that? 
At night, it seems like it seems like you're alone with your thoughts, and the devil just comes in and 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 assaults your mind. This is it, it's it's no accident that here he is. He's wrestling. It's he's at night. It's a dark. It's a dark time in his life. Probably like many people here, you've had some dark moments in life, and and he, and you're wrestling with with the the things that you're facing or decisions. Here he meets God. Himself, he's wrestling with God with all of his scheming, with all of his conniving. Here he is, his biggest battle is with God Almighty. You know, Jesus, I look at Jesus, his, his biggest battle wasn't the, the battle of temptation in the wilderness. That's not what his biggest battle was. You don't see him sweating drops of blood when he's having to, to go up against the devil when the devil comes and tries to tempt him, do you? No, when he's in Gethsemane, his, his place of decision, the place he wrestled with his decisions was in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed all night and the disciples fell asleep. And here's Jesus, he's praying all night long and the Bible says that he was sweating and he was praying and drops of blood are coming out because he was wrestling with God. This are, these are life-changing moments. What was he wrestling with God about? Your destiny and my destiny. The most difficult battle was in the, in the garden, but he made, made a conscious choice. So what happens when we throw away our biggest blessing? You know, that, that it is a true blessing to be able to come into an altar like this and, and, and cry out to God. I mean, it's like if I had, if I had $100 bills up here. If I had money, wouldn't that be something? I mean, how fast could you run up here if, this, if I just put $100 bills all the way across here? You'd be climbing over people. Give me some of those hundreds. And what, what I'm talking about, what God does in an altar, it's worth more than that. It's more valuable than that. What God can do in your life, what God wants to do in your marriage, how he wants to, he wants to reveal himself to you and show you his destiny and show you his plans and how you can get through those difficult things that you're facing. It might be impossible to you, but it's nothing for God. And he wants to speak to you. I like what Brother Dwayne, was, Dwayne said. He said, what, when you call on God, what does he do? He answers. He wants to answer. He's ready to answer. He's not just willing to, he's not just able to heal. He's willing to heal. And there's some here, you need a miracle in your life. But you know, a lot of people, they don't see the value in it. They don't see the value in it until, until they're, they're, they're a long ways off. They're, man, I wish I would have made a dis different decision at that point. They don't, see, they don't value what they have. Isn't that what they say? People don't value what they have until they don't have it anymore. So for some people, it's, it's just a throwaway. Oh, it's just another service. Well, it might just be another service to one person, but it could be a life-changing moment for another. It could, be a, it could be a life or death moment for somebody in here. You know, we sometimes we hear, we hear preaching and we don't, we, you know, for us it's just another service. It's a Saturday night. Praise God, we came for a revival service. But somebody could be at a crossroads in their life. Somebody could be ready to, to who, knows, who knows what they might be, you know, ready to throw out their marriage. Throw, they may be ready to quit. I don't know what, what they're facing, what you might be facing. 
But I can tell you right now, if we will be willing to come into his presence and not be in a hurry and wait on God, whether it's a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, whatever the case might be, if we will simply say, God, I need to pray this thing through and I need to hear from you and I'm not getting up. I'm not going to rush out of here. But God, I ask you to speak to me. What, what does that look like? What does that look like? It, it, it might be the kind of thing where, where God's dealing with you and, and you just stay longer. You bring your spouse, your husband, your wife. Well, what if they? What if the people start to leave? I'm not talking about just tonight. It could be next Sunday morning. There's just a, an anointing in the service, and you say, "You know what? I just want to. I just want to wait on God. I want to linger in His presence." What? Let me tell you what happens. It's just like what happens with Jacob. You know what happens before he could get his blessing that he had. There had to be a repentance in his life. He had to confess some things. Isn't it strange that the, that the, the angel or the Lord that is, that is wrestling with him asks him, what is your name? Do you think that he didn't really know who he was wrestling with? You think God didn't know who this was, but he had to say it himself, my name is Jacob. You know what Jacob's name means? Deceiver. Conniver. He had to acknowledge who he was before God. And the angel of the Lord, or God, says to him in that moment, he says, that's not your name. That might be who you were, but you're going to be called Israel from now on. That's what happens when we come into a place like this and we, and we repent and we acknowledge and we confess. Some people, they want the blessing without the confession. They just want to come in. They want to come to an altar and take a few minutes and say, let me be blessed. Bless me, Lord. They don't want to confess and, and lay out their lives and say, God, here I am. This is who I really am. I can tell you right now, there's a lot of, of broken people in this place. And if you're not broken, you need to find a place and be broken before God. And let God speak to you and challenge you in your life. Many people can't tell the difference between the trash and the treasure. And it's a treasure, I can assure you. We're too much in a hurry sometimes. Altars are not as common as they used to be, but you know they ought to be in our lives. That's where you find the greatest treasure, where God does the most in your life. I don't think Jacob realized what was going on. He didn't know if it was going to help him or destroy him. But he wasn't going to let go. And it was in the midst of that struggle that the blessing began to take place in his life. Don't, don't be so quick to discard the struggle. You say, I'm tired of struggling. You know, some people, they've struggled enough for two or three lifetimes. They've, they've been to hell and back in their life. And they're tired of struggling. Let me tell you something. Don't, don't give up the struggle. There, there's a blessing in there that we don't realize and we don't understand. God is going to use you. You say, well, I've been, through, I've been through so many painful things. God sees what you're going through. God can use that trial and that. Tr it's, 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 it's not something to be taken lightly. It, it's, God can turn it around for his glory. And he will turn it around for his glory. I'm reminded of that, that story. I don't know if you heard that. Maybe, maybe you have. I'm, I don't even know if I can tell it right. But, but of, of a little girl. And she 
was so embarrassed of her mother. Do you remember this story, anybody? You, this girl was so embarrassed of her mother. Her mother's face was so badly disfigured. And she didn't want her friends to come over, didn't want anybody to see her mother the way that she was. In fact, she would go to great lengths to keep her friends away from her house. She was ashamed of what her mother looked like because she was so badly disfigured until the day her grandmother told her the very reason that her mother was the way that she was. It was because there had been a fire and this mother had gone back into the house to rescue her. And and in doing so, she herself... Was, was burned so badly that they had to, they had to wrap her face and, and, her, and she, had, she carried with her the scars of that fire in her life. But it was all because she went back in and rescued that little girl. She was so ashamed of her. And, then, and once she heard that story, then she realized it was because of her mother's sacrifice she's no longer ashamed. Listen, don't despise the things that you're going through without understanding that God is able to turn those things around for his glory and bring something beautiful out of your life. He's able to bring something beautiful out of your life, out of that struggle, out of that pain out of that that crisis and you think God doesn't understand God doesn't know what I'm going through you fight through that thing you wrestle through that thing you pray that thing through and stand on the promises of God don't you doubt for a second that God is not for you he is for you and you'll come through that thing and if you'll if you will allow him to work in your life and in that situation it'll be like Jacob who comes out on the other side And he walked with a limp. And you know what that limp was? A reminder. Because there was a day when I met with God. You say, well, I I bear in my body. Wasn't it Paul who said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, I've got these things. They, They beat me. They've done all kinds of things. But it's a testimony of the things that I've been through. Don't be ashamed of those things. Listen, yes, you've got a past. God, God saved you from some things. He brought you out. And listen, young people, you don't got to go out and get a testimony. You don't got to go out and try and, and do some things wrong so you can come back in and, and, and say you've been saved from these things. Listen, it doesn't matter where you came from or what you haven't done. God's going to use you in spite of those things. You don't have to go out and, and become like that. And if you've got a past... And you've, and you've got a history of failures, and it might be a, a string of failures in your life. Let God use that testimony, because somebody's going to hear that, and they're going to hear, you know what? If God can touch them, He can touch me. If God can change them, He can change me. That's what I want. I don't want a, chur- a church full of, of pretty people with, with no history. I want, I want a church full, and listen, if, no matter how long you live, you're going to get some history. You're going to be through some things. I want, to, I want a church full of people that have been through trials and they've come through on the other side and they can tell you of the victories that they've had. Thank God for that. Michelangelo was working on a statue one day He'd attracted a crowd of spectators as he worked. And one child in particular was fascinated by the sight of the chips flying and the sound of the mallet on the chisel. The master was shaping a large block of white marble. 
Unable to contain her curiosity, the little girl asked, What are you making? And he replied, There's an angel in there, and I have to set it free. You know, I think that's the way it is so many times with our own trials. We've, we've been beat up. We've got things... We've got th- things beaten on us but let me tell you there's something that God's working to release in our lives he wants you're going to come through that thing as pure gold you're going to come through those trials as pure gold and we need to learn sometimes we need to learn to walk with a lamp anybody here walk with a lamp hey don't worry about it you've been through some things who hasn't? Who doesn't have some failures? Maybe you've got some. Maybe you've got some. Uh, you've got some moral things that you've done in your past, and you've got some some, some criminal history. Anybody got a, a criminal record? Let me see your hands. Some, if you don't have your hand up, you got a criminal record in heaven. That's a good. You just ain't been caught. Some of them, some some people just got caught, right? We had a guy. We got a pastor in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Named Manny D. Herrera, and I used to work for Department of Corrections. Back then, we had we had paper records, not digital records. This is way back, and I went up to records, and we had just walls of files. And I said, I got to see what what Manny D. Herrera's file looks like. Man, he had he it 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 was inches thick. I mean, this this pastor had done so many things wrong, but you look at him now, you wouldn't realize it. But he's got a past. Here he is. Here he is, a pastor. Think about Paul the apostle, all the things that he did. He'd have a he'd have a record for sure. But he learned to walk with a lamp because he'd met with God. What was his encounter? It was on the road to Damascus. And he always points back to that encounter with Jesus Christ. Have you had an experience with Jesus? Have you had a longing or a desire to have that kind of, of relationship and, and encounter with God where you just say, I'm going to get a hold of God and I'm not letting go until he blesses me. I want to get into his presence. If it's not here, I want it to be somewhere. God, I need to hear your voice. I want to get into your presence. I found a poem and I'll close on this. I'll ask if our musicians and singers would come says, it's called, Hast Thou No Scar. It says, Hast Thou No Scar, No Hidden Scar on Foot or Side or Hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them, Hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers, spent, leaned me against a tree to die and rent. By ravening beasts that compass me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound, no scar. Pay close attention here on this last stanza verse here. No wound, no scar. Yet as the master shall the servant be. And pierced are the feet that follow me. But thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound or scar? Let me tell you what I get from this. He says, thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound or scar? Can there be anything that's good that comes out of our lives if we've never had an encounter with God? 
We've never had that that wrestling with God. There's no there's no scar. There's no limp. There's no there's no distinction of a person that, that this person has truly met with God. You want to do something great for God? You want to you want to do something mighty for God? There's a price to be paid. There's a cost that goes along with that. A. A. Allen wrote a book called the the price of God's miracle working power. You can find it, probably find a PDF of it somewhere. He tells about telling his wife, I'm going to go into this closet and I'm going to pray and I don't want you to open the door until I've heard from God. I don't care how much I ask, how much I beg to come out until I've met with God. He went into that room and he closed the door behind him and he began to pray. He doesn't know how long. It could have been days that, that he was in there. And God began to speak to him and deal with him about specific areas of his life. And he lays them out in this book. The very things, all but one, he did not write in that book. I still don't know what it was. But God spoke to him and dealt with him about areas of his life that needed to be addressed and changed. That he needed to get right with God. And this came out of a personal encounter with God. How bad do we want God to work in our lives? How, how, how bad do we want to hear from God and know His will for our lives? Do we want to just come to church, come in and go out and we just kind of have this religious experience? We check a box. I don't believe that's the case for this crowd, that's for sure. We're here on a Saturday night. But tonight I want to, I want to challenge you. There's a need. Every one of us has something we're praying that God would do in our lives. I don't know what you're, what you're going through. I don't know what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and deal with you about. But tonight, in a moment, we're going to open up these altars and we're going to come and find a place to pray. I want, you to, I want you, when we open the altars and when we get to that place, I don't want you to just, just stand with your hands in your pockets. I want you to find a place and really open up your heart and talk to God. He's the answer. He's what you need. And if you hear from God, you'll, say, you'll walk out of here and say, you know what, I know that I've been in the presence of God. I've been to church. I've been in His presence. I didn't just get a pat on the back. I didn't get a Band-Aid. It was heart surgery. And heart surgeries takes a little bit longer, doesn't it? Takes a little bit longer than just taping something up. There's some here, you, you need heart surgery. You need God to do something in your life. Well, let's turn our, let's bow our heads if we could all across this place. Some here, maybe the Holy Ghost is speaking to you and He's touched your heart. He's speaking to you about the condition of your soul, the condition of your life. You don't know Him. You don't know what it is to be born again. I'm not talking tonight about joining up with a church and signing a membership roll, a log or something of that, of that nature. But I'm talking about knowing that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. That, that your name, when you stand before God, that you stand at peace with God. That your sins will have been forgiven. You say, Pastor, I need salvation. I need that in my life. I know that I'm not right and ready to stand before God. If I were to go into eternity at this moment, I don't think I would be ready. But I want to be ready. Pray for me. How many would lift up your hands quickly all over this place? You raise it up high and put it back down. Be honest with God. You just put it up and put it back down.
quickly. Yes, I see these ones. How many more? Join these. Put it up and put it back down. Yes, I see this hand right here. How many more? Quickly, be honest with God. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, I promise. I just want to pray for you. How many others? You join these. Yeah, I need salvation. I want to come back to the Lord. I want to be right with God. Thank you, Jesus. There's others. You need a miracle in your marriage. You need a miracle in your finances. You're tormented. You, you, you battle things in your mind. Some, somebody here, you're hearing voices. And it's not, it's not the Holy Ghost. The devil's lying to you. And you're tormented in your mind. You need victory. You need deliverance. Before you can have that blessing, there, there needs to come repentance in your life. There, there, there's a reckoning. And we come before Jesus and we lay ourselves before him. Jesus, here I am. Here's my life. I am who I am, God, and I need your mercy. And I don't want to live this way anymore. And then we begin to contend and talk to the Lord. Tonight, let's all stand in this place. I want to invite you to this altar. We're not going to be here all night, but it's still early. And we can find a place to pray. And let's just take more than, than a minute, more than two or three minutes. Would you just come and just find a place? Anywhere in this altar is good. Anywhere down here, all the way to the wall. Just find a place and let's just kneel down and just let's take these moments as we sing and we, we worship the Lord up here. Come on, let's find a place and kneel down. Don't just stand. Let's kneel down before the Lord. This, we're on, we got carpet in here for a reason. It's not a bad thing to find a place and just begin to kneel down and, and just ask, ask the Lord to, to talk to us. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.